Hello and welcome to Reliance's podcast. We hope that the message encourages your heart today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet weekly on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. And if you want to find out more about Reliance, come check us out online. Good to have you guys in the house today. Y'all are lucky. My wife saved you. I thought I left my, we just got back from the lake uh, with all the men's retreat. I thought I left my watch there. We were on lake time, first two services. You know that because you were late getting in. I know. And so uh, we, we will be not on time. I just have my watch now, just so you know. So, um, man, we, we, were, uh, we were out the lake, and, and we had 44 guys. It was a great time. And uh, I really feel like what happened out there is a little indication of what, what I want to preach on today. Um, they just tie together. I want to preach on the theme, Faith on Fire. That's what the VBS theme is. And I feel like if we have all these kids coming in to ignite their faith on fire, I believe it should start with right here, amen, on a Sunday morning. I want to fill this room with faith that when these kids come through the door, there's something different in this house. There's something different because you men and women have gotten a faith that's just starting to get ignited on fire again. And so um, I think it's so timely. And so when we were at the lake, one of the first things that we did the first night that we were there, just this beautiful moment. We were um, worshiping and man, confession was happening and men were just sharing hearts with one another. And then we got into um, the church in Revelation, the church of Laodicea. Do you guys remember that one? It's the famous one where he says, I, I wish you were hot or cold, but you are lukewarm. So what's he say? So I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. So here's what he was saying in that. He goes, I wish you were hot because you would know me, or cold because it means you probably don't know me, but because you tasted me, because you know of me, because you've kind of found me, and you're lukewarm to that, like you're, you're just kind of indifferent to that, and you just don't care. He's like, this is how it upsets me. It upsets my stomach. That spit out, actually, if you try, it's, I want to vomit you out of my mouth. That was opening night of men's, men's lake, lake trip. They were loving it, let me just tell you. But man, it stirred some things in our hearts. Because it brought us to this reality in our faith of going, are we on fire for the Lord? Are, we, got, we got to figure this out. Are we on fire for the Lord? Are we cold? Are we lukewarm? Because if we're lukewarm and we've tasted the Lord and we're like, I just think there's something better out there than you. Like the Lord's like, oh, right? And it's just, it's, it's, man, it's messed up. And so as we began to talk through that, and this confession started happening in men's hearts. And by the time we got to the end of the weekend, there was just a new faith, a new fire in men's hearts. It was beautiful. And I just, I believe it fits the theme today as we talk about faith on fire. Because I think, and I'm going to throw some darts at the American church just a little bit, because I like to, right? I think the American church has been kind of lulled to sleep in our faith. I think we've been lulled to sleep in our faith. I think we, faith has been washed out in many ways. We've watered it down, absolutely. Um, I think we've compromised faith. I think we've done a lot of things with faith except ignited it. And I just think the time, like we're due for an ignited faith. We've done the watered down thing. How'd that work for us? Right? We've done the compromised faith thing. That's not working for us. Like we're due for a fired up faith again. Amen. And I just think this is the season for the church, and so it's exciting. I want to talk about faith because there's no such thing as faith without action. There's no such thing as faith that doesn't do anything. And, and I think when I, I talked about like a, the faith has kind of been lullabied to sleep a little bit, I think if you're in this house, it's because you have some faith in you. 
But for many of us in this house, and I would just wager with this many in here, that there's a faith inside of you that, that's, it's not dead, like you don't have a dead faith, you've got a dormant faith. What does dormant mean? Asleep, right? It's asleep. There's nothing happening. It's a faith that's been asleep. And I believe today God wants to breathe on that faith and wake you up. I believe he wants to wake you up. If you remember a couple of, uh, I think it was three, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, we had our, our prayer burn. Do you guys remember that? And I told you that story. We were in the last hour. I want to tie this in real quick. We were in the last hour of the prayer burn, which by the way, everybody say this Saturday. This one coming up, the 22nd, we're having our next prayer burn, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. In that room, come for an hour, come for two hours, come for six hours, and we're just going to come and behold him. Amen? But come. But come. Amen. But come. So thank you. We, we, we want you to be there. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's not just like another thing that we do. It's the thing. Okay? Because we just want to come behold. Anyways, we were in that a few weeks back. We had our other one. And we're in the last hour, if you remember, and a word came to our hearts. It was awake. And I'm searching through the scripture verses to find the word that says, awake, O sleeper. And right when I read it, you remember, I read, awake, O sleeper. And a guy had slipped in with his shofar. It's a trumpet. And so I was reading, awake, O sleeper. Whoa! Right? Yeah. I got no voice left, right? And like right then, like every, it was like a jolt in the room, but you could feel the Holy Spirit just moving. It was crazy, and this is what the Lord is calling us to. It's like to come awake in our faith, to not let our faith be dormant any longer, but to have that faith that's on fire. And, and I really believe that this is what God is doing in this season, and I think it starts right here, because he always says judgment begins in the house of the Lord. So we can't expect a world to have faith when we don't have faith. And so um, uh, uh, Pastor James Moronga from Kenya Good brother of ours, he's an overseer of the church, he's a big Kenyan guy. He comes over to the United States from time to time and he preaches here from time to time and, and leads different things. He's awesome. When he comes, uh, we've known him for years, about 20 years, about 15, 10, 15 years ago he came and he gave a, 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 dream, a, a dream that the Lord had given him about America. It was actually a two-part dream about America. And uh, I remember him sharing it 10 years ago. Um, I've shared it sporadically uh, through the years with us. But I think, it's, I think it's a season that we're in right now. And I want to share that dream again. And he said the Lord had woken him up from sleep. And as he was woke, awoken from his sleep, the Lord began to lay a vision on his life about America. And he was showing, showing it through this way. James was following Jesus up this hillside, going up to this mountain. And along this mountain trail were these beautiful flowers. Be it's just beautiful scenery. As, as James' eyes were on Jesus, they were ascending the hill of the mountain, right? They were going up it. But there was all this beauty around him that was trying to take his attention, his affections. And so he took his eyes off of the Lord, he said, and he began to look at this flower. And as he looked at this flower and went down to smell it, out of the flower came a serpent. And the Lord began to show him something. All the beautiful things and the things of this world that are trying to get our affection are simply trying to get our eyes off of Jesus so that we won't have faith to follow him, but we'll have faith to look at those things. And so he goes, man, he took his eyes off of that, and he said he put his eyes back on the Lord. They got to the top of the hill, the hill of the Lord. And he says as he began to look over, the Lord showed him this great big coliseum. Looked like a big like football stadium, great big coliseum. Millions and millions of people were in it. 
and they were just having a good time. They were merry, there was drinks, they were, they were laughing, there was music. There was just this merry time and they were oblivious to the fact that in the middle of the Colosseum where they would like play sports out or whatever, it was just this void, this empty hole like an abyss. And he said everybody was in this Colosseum and he began to see in this vision, it was tipping, but it was ever so slightly, they didn't realize they were all scooting closer and closer and people were dropping off into it. And he said the Lord kind of just gave him this word for America. We've been lullabied to sleep by all of the great things out there that we don't realize that we're falling in this kind of sleepy state into this abyss. You can believe that really woke my heart up, amen? I share that with you because I believe today, this is what the Lord is speaking to the church today. The Lord says in his word to the seven churches in Revelation, hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. And in each one of those churches, he's got a word, whether it's lukewarmness, whether it's indifference, whether it's that we've lost our first love. And I think it's the same thing for the church today. And so I want to do some work on that when it comes to faith. We're going to spend most of our time in Hebrews, um, but I want to get to Luke twenty-two thirty-one for just a moment. In Luke twenty-two thirty-one, 31, um, Jesus is going to tell Peter, Jesus is going to tell Peter, hey, somebody's going to come, Satan's going to come and sift you, okay? He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you. How many of you guys know that Satan wants your life? Don't dumb that down. Don't, don't dumb that down. Don't be like, oh, I know the Bible says that I just don't think he's really after me. He's really after you. He wants your life. And if we dumb that down, we'll be unaware of his schemes. Listen, he says, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. So sifting like wheat would be like putting it in a bowl and you begin to sift it back and forth so that the chafe will fly out and you'll see the quality of the grain you have. Is it full of wheat? Is it full of weed seed? What's in that? What's the quality of it? And so the Lord is telling, Jesus is telling Peter, he wants to sift you to see what your substance is. He wants to sift you to see what you're made of. He wants to sift you to see if you've got enough faith that when bad things are coming or hard things are coming, see if you're going to walk away or if you're going to stick it out. And here's how I know that. Because right after that, Jesus says, but I have prayed for you that your what? Faith. That your what? Faith. This side. Faith. Oh, there we go. Hi. That your faith, that your faith will not fail, may not fail. The contention for Jesus' heart for Peter wasn't that he was going to be sifted. The contention that Jesus had in his heart for Peter was, you're going to be sifted. I want to make sure that you've got the substance to make it through. I want to make sure that when you're sifted, not if you're sifted, when you're sifted, I want to make sure that what's left in there is the faith that says, I'm built on something that's unshakable and unbreakable, Okay. So here he goes, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, because I know you're going, I know you're going to be sifted, and I know you're going to run away for a moment. Will you come back again? And when you turn again, strengthen your brothers. I, I believe this is a time where we're being sifted to see what our substance is. And you may hate it, but the Lord has a plan in it. Amen? Amen. So you won't find a place in Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, where it's not focused on faith. It's the foundation. If, if, if Jesus is the foundation, and we know he is from Scripture, the way that we tether ourselves to the foundation, the way that we lock in and hook in is with our faith. Faith tethers us to the foundation of Jesus. And so 
If we had time, we would talk about that a little bit, but we don't. So Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7, I want to talk about what happens when we don't have faith, and I want to talk about what happens when we do, okay? In Hebrews 3, this is what happens when we don't have faith. Therefore, verse 7, therefore as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear His voice, listen, as you hear His voice, we need to be people who are hearing His voice. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and they saw my works for 40 years. So for 40 years, this generation put the Lord to the test and every time the Lord came through, did he not? Every time, fed them, watered them, clothed them, their shoes didn't get holes in them. I mean, crazy stuff. He says, they tested me for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation. And I said, they always go astray in their hearts. Listen to that. They always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. But look what he says in verse 12. He says, but take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. So in them, they had an unbelieving heart. Be careful that you don't find that in yourselves. Look what he says. Leading you to fall away from the living God. So if they have the potential to do it, do we have the potential to do it? Absolutely. And this is what the Lord cares about. There will be a sifting. There will be a testing. There will be a wilderness. But that sifting and that testing is to see what substance you're made of. Look what he says. He says, so take care that you don't do it. Verse 13. But exhort. What's it mean to exhort? What, what's, what's, ooh, look at them. My youth over there killing it. What would you guys say? And thank you, encourage. To exhort means to encourage. It means to encourage. Look what he says. He says, but encourage or exhort one another every day as long as it's called today. And if you're doing the math, that's every day. Amen? Okay? That, that none of you may be hardened to the deceitfulness of sin. So there's a role that we're supposed to be playing in each other's lives to ask, how's your faith? What's your faith look like? What are you made of? Ben Hall, what's your substance inside of you? And Ben Hall's going, oh, it's Jesus. It's always been Jesus. Always be Jesus, right? There's, a, there's, there's, a, there's an encouragement of exhorting one another of how's your faith. We spend all of our time talking about our trials. The Bible spends most of its time talking about our faith. How's your faith? Yeah, yeah, you're in a trial. How's your faith? Where's your faith at? And then look what he says. He says in verse 14, for we have come to share in Christ if indeed, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm till the end. Mm. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as they did in rebellion. Verse 16, for who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt, led out by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear they would not enter his rest? But those who were disobedient. Here's the key, verse 19. So we see they were unable to enter because of what? Because of unbelief. And so this is what happens when we're not filling ourselves and igniting our faith is that the potential for unbelief to come in when we're sifted, instead of having a foundation or the substance of faith built on Christ, we've got an unbelief built on our situation. We've got an unbelief built on our circumstance. So, how do we see the victory? 1 John 5, 4 and 5 tells us this is how we see the victory. All of us like victory, right? Nobody woke up today and go, man, I really hope I lose today. Anybody do that? 
I'm just saying, okay. All of us love victory. First John, 4, uh, First John 5, 4 and 5 says, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Everyone who's been born of God, what? Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. It's not like some of us who've been born again will do it. All of us who've been born again overcome the world. Amen. And this is the victory. He's not making it difficult for you. If you're like, so what's my victory? What's the victory? And this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is it? Our faith. Our faith. Is it our faith in our 401k? Is it our faith in our friends? Is it our faith in my family? No, because all of those things at some point in time have let us down or failed us. It's our faith in the one who's unshakable, unbreakable, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the substance we're getting ready to get into here in just a moment. He says, it's our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? All the things that we do in this house, our worship, our word, our prayer time, our fellowship, all of this isn't so that we just feel really good and then go out and live our lives. All of it is to get us closer and closer and closer to be with Jesus Christ. Amen. There's an end to this thing. It's Him. It's always been Him. It's always been Him. Amen? It's always been Him. So, so then how do we begin to work this out? If this is faith, how do we begin to work this thing out? First of all, I want you to understand that faith is not a concept. Faith is a life that we live. We, we as Americans, mm, throw some more darts. We have this concept of faith. It's like, hey, do you have faith? Yeah, I have faith. I'm living on a prayer or whatever, Bon Jovi, right? But we've got, like, we've got a concept of faith but we don't always have a life of faith where we live faith out. And, and so in Hebrews chapter 10, I'm going to set this up so we can get to where we want to get to. He says something about this. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places. How many of you guys have been in the holy places with the Lord? Anybody? Come on. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain which is his flesh, since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of? With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, here we go, without wavering in our faith, without being pulled back and forth. For he who has promised is? Our substance in Christ is faithful. Listen, listen. And then he goes through some trials, verse 35, therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised, for yet a little while, and the coming one will come and not delay, but my righteous one shall live by, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who have and preserve our souls. How many of you guys believe that faith is important in Scripture? Like it is, it, Jesus is the foundation and how we tether is faith. It's that important. We can't just be like, ah, faith is good. Faith is key. I know that there's some things with it. It is of utmost importance according to the Word of God. Faith is the way in which we live. Faith is the way in which we see the promises of God. So. So then what is it? Now he's going to go. So here's Hebrews 10. Now he's going to go to Hebrews 11. Now we've got the wall of faith, all the faithful men and women. And he starts off with this word. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, 
for the conviction of things not seen. Or I like this translation, right? The substance, everybody say substance. The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Let me say this. Faith must have substance. That's why it's not just a word. It's not just a concept. Faith has to have substance behind it. Faith is only as meaningful as to the substance to which it's attached to. So if I put my faith in money, and money, more money, more problems. We've talked about that, right? Like, 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 like money doesn't solve my problems. Like I've got it and I'm still miserable. So if I put my faith in money and money becomes my substance and I wonder why I'm failing, it's because I'm attached to the wrong substance. If I put my faith in the substance of my friendships, and that's what I'm tethered to. My friendships are, are, are my substance. How many of you guys have friends who failed you in life? Don't raise your hand if they're sitting by you, but otherwise you can raise your hand. Family. How many of you guys have family that failed you? Now definitely don't raise your hand now, okay? I'm just kidding. If we tether to the things and our faith into the substances that fail us, then, then this word is so true. Our faith is only as meaningful as the substance which is attached, which is failure. If you have faith in a bad substance, then that faith is insufficient no matter how much of it you have. This is why in Jeremiah 2, the prophet Jeremiah is going to say, I've got two things against you. We talked about this on our, on our retreat. You, you have forsaken the God who's the living water, who's the living water, and you've dug out wells or cisterns for yourself that are cracked and broken and leaking. You've tried to do it on your own. You've tried to put your, your faith in a substance that's never going to fulfill you. Amen? So faith has to do with an expectation, a hope that that substance is going to do something. So again, if I tether to the money, then my expectation is that money better bring happiness to my life. But we all know, the more you get, the more you want, the less happiness you always get. You can't buy it. Yeah, can't buy happiness, right? Can't buy love. Amen? There's a, yeah, can't buy love. There's a movie out there about that. It's old school. I just kind of dated myself a little bit. Right? You can't, friendships, you tether to your friendships. It's the same thing. Like I said, all of a sudden, you've tethered to that, you better now have hope in that substance that it's going to fulfill your life. So, faith has to do with an expectation and the substance that we have. So the amount of your faith is not tied to how much faith you have, but it's tied to how much substance you have. And I'm going to tell you why that's important here in just a moment. All that to say is a little bit of faith in the right substance can do wonderful things. Let me give you a scripture verse for that. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed in the right substance of Christ, what does Scripture say you can do? Move mountains. Now all of a sudden, my faith isn't in the mountain being moved. My faith is in the substance who can move the mountain. So now I'm not fixated on whether the mountains move. I'm fixated on the substance. Does that make sense? Now we wonder like, Lord, I've prayed for the mountain to be moved. He's like, I know. Don't fixate on the substance of the mountain. The mountain's not the problem. Fixate on me, the substance. Amen? Are you with me? Are you with me? Now I'm not tethered to my circumstance. I'm tethered to one who can change my circumstance or not change my circumstance, but he's my substance, unshakable, unbreakable, okay? Let me show you what this looks like from the prophet Elijah. I love this. I uh, got to speak to some youth a couple of weeks ago at the presence camp on this. In 1 Kings 18, 41, here's, here's what's happening. Elijah had prayed 
three and a half years prior to this that the clouds would be shut up, that there would be no rain in the sky. God was doing some work in the land. He wanted to see that the people were in rebellion. So Elijah prayed and the clouds were shut. There hadn't been a cloud. It was desolate. There was drought. It was a bad time, all right? And then all of a sudden, Elijah now is going to pray and show the faithfulness of God that God can bring rain when he prays. And so here we go in 1 Kings 18, it said, Elijah said to Ahab, Ahab was a king, Ahab was married to Jezebel, Ahab and Jezebel hated Elijah. But he, prayed, he told Ahab, he says, go up to the king, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound, somebody say sound. There is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. He didn't see a cloud in the sky. He didn't even know it was coming yet. There's drought in the land. It's as blue sky as blue sky can be. But Elijah heard a sound from the Spirit inside of his life. And he exercised his faith and said, Ahab, go get ready. A rain's coming. I hear a sound. How many of you guys know that even when you don't see it, that God can move mountains with the sound of his voice? Faith is not about what you see, it's about the one you hear from Scripture. Listen, he heard a sound in his spirit. It says there is a sound of the roar of a heavy shower. It's not there yet, but something's happening inside of Elijah's life. So it says, so Ahab went up to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he crouched down on the earth, and he put his face between his knees. He got an intercessory prayer. We did that for four weeks. Position where he put his face between his knees, and he's getting ready to birth something in prayer. He's getting ready to birth something in prayer. He's, he's going to co-labor with the Lord in faith, believing that God can do what God says he's going to do. Now listen to what it says. He gets down, puts his face between his knees, begins to pray, and he said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. So his servant runs up the hill, looks towards the sea, and when he looked out, he says, there is nothing. So he runs back down and he tells him, there's nothing there. How many of you guys would have given up when you saw that there was nothing there? Oh, Lord, I guess I heard it wrong. Oh, Lord, I, I, I guess you, you just meant that metaphorically, right? Oh, Lord, I, I don't think that, that I heard you right. All of a sudden, right there was an indication that many of us, including myself, in that moment, would have been like, I must not have heard the Lord right. I, I, I heard the sound of a heavy rain, but it's as blue sky as blue sky can be. Not Elijah. Because Elijah doesn't go off of what he can see. Elijah goes off of what he's heard from the Lord. This is what we've heard from the Lord. This is his promises. Amen? Remember what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things what? not seen. So Elijah's going to bank on the evidence of things not seen because he knew what the Lord said to his heart. And he said, there's nothing. And he said to the servant, go back seven times. Go back seven times. And it came about that the servant was going up. First time, coming back down. Nope, nothing. Second time, coming back, going down. Nope, nothing. Third time, fourth time. By the fifth time, you got to believe in Elijah's heart. There's a little flesh in there going, Lord, work with me here. Right? Lord, work with me here. Like, I'm, I'm going to keep going, but fifth time, like, maybe a swirl in the sky? Maybe something? Fifth time. He goes up sixth time. Nope, nothing. He goes up seventh time, and here's where he says, at the seventh time, he said, behold, a cloud. And you could just see it like a cloud is building, but that's not what he says. A cloud as small as a man's hand. I don't have giant hands, all right? This is what the servant saw, something about this size. 
and he comes down and, and he tells Elijah, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand coming from the sea. Now Elijah in that moment would be like, okay, Lord, what are you doing, right? Seventh time up there, this is what you're bringing? How in the world am I going to see a heavy shower from this, a cloud the size of a man's hand? Now again, this is another test where our faith in our substance is getting sifted. What's in there? Did the Lord say that there would be a sprinkle? What did he say? Heavy showers. Heavy showers are coming our way. So in that moment, that cloud that's the size of a man's hand, how in the world is that going to produce a shower? But this is the substance of Elijah's heart. It wasn't the size of the cloud, it was the size of his God. The cloud ma mattered nothing to him. The cloud mattered nothing. It could have been the size of a thumb. What Elijah's substance was tethered to was not the cloud, it was tethered to the God who could bring a rain out of a blue sky if he wanted to. Do you see the substance? Yes. Look what he says. And he said to the servant, go up and tell the king, King Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. And I'm sure Ahab's looking up going, oh, what heavy shower, right? Look what happens. In a little while, the sky grew black with clouds and wind. There was a heavy shower. Why? Because God is always faithful to his word. He's always faithful to his word. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. I love this part. I don't know why it's in there, but I love this part. Then, he, then the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and he outran Ahab to Jezreel. Dude became Usain Bolt, man. I want to be, anybody want to be fast? I want to be fast. Like it was all of a sudden, he girded up his loins, and the Lord gave him the supernatural ability to run before. He's, a, he's running, his, the king Ahab's in a chariot, and he beats him there. Why? Because that's just the way the Lord works. When he pours it out, he pours it out, church. Let me tell you why this is so profound. This is a time of barrenness, a time of desperation, desolation in the land. There had been no rain. And yet Elijah is captivated by this vision from the Lord to see what his substance is made of. What's his faith made of? I heard the sound of a heavy rain before he saw a thing. In the unseen, he heard the sound. And his response is that he was not moved. He, he was moved more by the unseen realm than he was by the natural realm. He was moved more by what he didn't see because of what he heard than he was moved by what he saw. I'm wagering in here, some of you guys, you have felt like the Lord has given something to you, the Lord promised something to you, you feel like you heard the voice of the Lord, but you may have given up a little bit too soon because you didn't see it come through the way you thought or in the time that you thought. This is what revival is. This is what revival is. Revival is when we press into the Lord who says that he's a God of revival, a God of restoration, and a God of renewal. And we get so focused on our world, like, oh, the world's falling apart, right? And we're so tethered to that substance that we forget about the substance of the God who can change it all in a moment. We're so tethered to the wrong thing that that substance is faltering and fading. And yet the God of the universe, the one who's unshakable, unbreakable, look at what he's doing. He's never lost a battle. And he won't now. Seven times the servant runs up and runs back until that seventh time. Initially the servant didn't see anything unusual in the natural except that when he came back to give the report, he saw Elijah crouched with his face between his knees. And in that place of humility and desperation, Elijah was birthing something forth 
in that place of prayer and in that place of faith. And I believe that God is doing that now with the church again. And that small beginning that seemed obscure didn't matter if it was a small beginning. Didn't matter if it was just a cloud the size of a man's hand. Sometimes we overlook small beginnings because it didn't, they're easily overlooked because it didn't happen the way that we thought. Do you know that God can do things with small things? Gideon's army, that'd be one. No, no, I don't want 30,000 men. Well, God, they have like 300,000. He's like, I want 300, I want to show you what I can do. God loves, David and Goliath, God loves to do things. God loves to do things to display his power. Listen, this is so important. Today, we have to learn from those who went before us. Amen? We have to learn from those who went before us. And so now all of a sudden, he's going to go into this chapter on faith. And he's going to say crazy things like, by faith, when Noah was warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear. Do you know what drove Noah? Holy fear. Somebody say, we need the fear of the Lord again. In holy fear, it says he built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world. The world got wiped out, right? But God's going to stay true to his covenant. And he became an heir of righteousness, that is, in keeping with the faith. Faith is not about how I feel. Faith is not about an emotion. Sometimes I feel it, sometimes I don't. Faith isn't a feeling. Faith is a substance. It's a substance. It's tangible and it's real. It's not something that comes and goes. You can feel faithless and still have faith at times. You know, I know that because there was a centurion that came to Jesus that didn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, but knew that with the words that Jesus spoke, things happened. This was not a man who carried faith in his life in terms of, I'm a faithful follower of the Lord. He simply carried a faith of going, whatever authority that man carries, he can say something that happens. So when Jesus comes and says, take me to your house, the centurion goes, no, 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 I'm an unclean man. I know that you can give a word and it will happen because of the authority that you carry. Jesus speaks the word and his, this centurion's man's servant is, is healed in a moment. And he says this about the centurion who was not, would have not been considered a faithful follower. He says, I've never seen a greater faith in all of Israel. So sometimes we can feel faithless and still have faith. Why? Because faith is not an emotion and faith is not a feeling. Faith is a substance. This is why in Hebrews eleven six 6, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so we're talking about faith, and it's not just that we have faith, it's that we're walking in faith. And maybe if there's anything I want you to get today, it's that this faith is producing something. What is your faith producing? We can, we, it's not feeling faith, it's not talking faith, it's walking by faith. It's walking by faith. We're going to get into that later on. I, I like what Tony Evans says. Tony Evans says this, unless faith hits your feet, it's not faith. And then he gives this analogy. A number of years ago, our church looked for ways to curb its electricity bill. As a result, we installed motion detector lighting in certain rooms. That meant the lights came on only when motion was detected. If there was no motion, there was no light. And the lights went off on their own when people left without turning them on. Then the lights came back on when motion was detected again. God will give you the power and light you need when you need it, but he'll wait until he detects motion on your part. Oh, come on, Tony Evans. If there's no movement in faith... There'll be no power in your life because the two are tethered together. Amen? Do you guys hear that? These two things are tethered together. And so in the book of Hebrews, he's going to tether it all now to this long line. He's going to say it in verse 2. For by it, by faith, the people of old received their commendation. 
He's going to tether that by faith, this faith that was moving them, this was their movement in life. They moved when God said to move, even when they didn't see it. They moved even when they didn't see the outcome. They moved even though they didn't know where they were going. They moved because their faith was tethered to motion, and their motion was tethered to the move of God. <clears throat> faith. Faith is something that has to be released. Listen, church, if there's anything that you get today, faith is not something you just hold up inside of you and you got it in you. It, faith is something that's released in your life. This is the boots on the ground. This is the walking it out. This is the motion in your life. We went on that men's lake trip, just got back. I feel like a broken man today. We got back in the afternoon. I feel like somebody took a bat and beat me a hundred times, all right? For three days, we were on that, we were on that lake, a couple, couple of those days, it was like an eight, ten hour day. Like on the lake, we were wakeboarding and doing all this surfing, all these different things with all these guys, 45 guys. And then after you get tired of those things getting beat up, you know what we did? We went and found the cliffs. <laughs> so you're taking all these guys to the cliffs, right? And you know what happens when 44 guys get together? Faith goes down, stupidity goes up. And we get to this cliff, and there's this little, like, 25-footer, and, you know, jumping off. And then above that 25-footer, somebody's like, hey, you think we can make it from up there? Oh, yeah. That one up there. And so they were measuring it out, and some think it's anywhere between 50, 60-foot tall right there, all right? Let me just tell you, you're floating. You are floating. And so as we were up there, um, here's what happened. All the boats are tying up, and it's kind of like, who's going first, Right? And I, I, I got there a little bit, a couple boats were there. I think it was Byron, but Byron, you got, so, so if you know Byron, then you know what I'm talking about, right? So here's this 56-year-old guy, dives in, right, goes up to there, they climb up, get on top of that thing, and now that he's up on top of that cliff, he's looking over, throws his sandals down, and they float down. And you're like, oh, dear Lord. And land. And I mean, Byron's, he'll do pretty much anything. He's looking over it like, oh, here we go. And he jumps off. And he's floating, hits the water, bam! And he comes out the water and goes, oh, that hurts. Oh, that hurt. I mean, busted hard. You know what everybody did? Everybody jumped out of the boat, started swimming over. It's my turn. You get all these guys, now they're going to the top. All these guys are jumping off. Wham, same thing. Oh, I, I broke my butt. I broke my butt. I'm not kidding. It hurt bad. Next guy going off, like slapping down. One guy going, ah, I'm, I'm mangled, whatever. And then we had this 15-year-old, 14-year-old. He jumps off. He goes down, boom, hits the water, comes up, and he goes, I messed up, I messed up. It was awesome. I'm like, yeah, that kid got broke, man. But here's the crazy part. One guy after another going off. Every guy that hit and was coming up going, oh, it hurts. The next guy was like, I'm in, right? It took the faith of one man to get every man out of the boat to do that, do that jump. The faith of one man going, I can make it off of this thing, stirred everybody's heart that we can do stupid things. Or you could look at it opposite, that we can do bold things. That we can do things that normally our fear would tell us that we couldn't do. That we could do things that normally the world would say don't do. It, take, it took the courage of one man to get us into a place and a position where we could do that together. And my question today is, do you have that kind of faith that can get other people into action, into motion again? L listen, by faith we understand that what... We see and what we sometimes perceive isn't always what the Lord is doing in the unseen because we have faith not by sight. We have faith by substance. And the substance that we're tethered to is the God of the universe who can speak anything into existence in a moment. 
This is why Job says these words. If you remember the prophet Job, Job says that though he slay me, I love Job, though he slay me, he says, still I will trust in the Lord. Why? Because his substance was not about him feeling like he was slayed. His substance is the one that he knows holds all things in his hands. Same thing with Habakkuk. Habakkuk says the same thing. He, he's a prophet that goes to him and says, Lord, we need you, we need you, we need you, we need you. Then at the very end, the beautiful thing of Habakkuk at the very end, in Habakkuk 3.17, uh, 3, he says, Though the fig trees should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Listen. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. Why? Because his faith wasn't in the circumstance, but in the substance. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? This is the question today. Where's your faith? You have a faith on fire or not? By faith, by faith, by faith. I wish we had more time. Man, we, we could do so much work. They did it by faith. They didn't do it by skill. They didn't do it by personality profile test. They didn't do it by Enneagram. Are you a three or you a four? Who cares? They did it by faith. Church, I'm going to close out with this. Oh, man, so much I wish I could share with you guys. I'm going to close out with this, though. I believe that in this house today, there are some... Um, who you've lost out on an opportunity in your life that you feel like God spoke to you because somewhere along the line, faith went out and unbelief came in. I'm gonna sit here for three things and we're gonna worship and we're gonna pray this. What blessing do you think you might have missed out on because of unbelief instead of faith? You feel like God spoke something to you or you felt like, man, like I feel like he's opening this door and it didn't quite pan out. You, you, you heard the sound of a heavy rain, but you saw the cloud that was the size of a man's hand, and you're like, I guess I missed it. What blessing do you think you may have missed out on because of unbelief? What fear do you need to trade for faith? If you were balancing that out, man, do I have fear or faith? And that scale is going back and forth. How, how does your faith overcome your fear? What do you need to trade? What fear do you need to lay down so that your faith increases and you have faith on fire? Last one, what commitment does God want you to make today in faith? What commitment does God want you to make today, today in faith? Notice I didn't say what commitment does God want you to make because you're going to see the results tomorrow. What commitment does God want you to make today in faith? We're going to sing a song and I'm going to invite you to pray these things. Open the altar. If you have been challenged in your faith recently, one of these maybe hits you or something else, but man, maybe I've missed out on something because unbelief has been rising up. Or maybe I've got fear that's trying to overtake my faith. Or I need to make a commitment. I want to make a commitment today in faith, and this is what it is, Lord. I'm going to open up the altar to you, or you pray in your seats, and you stand and worship with us. But I want to ignite your faith today because when those kids come through these doors come Monday, I want to see God move in a mighty and profound way because a bunch of men and women gathered in a room and our faith went sky high in this house. Amen? Father, today we tether ourselves to substance, but it's not any substance, it's the substance. It's you, Jesus. The substance that is unshakable and unbreakable. 
And so today, God, I pray, we got fear, unbelief that's kept us from maybe running in the adventure that you had for us. Today, we lay that fear and that unbelief down. Today, God, we draw a line in the sand and we say, today I'm gonna make a commitment in faith. Even when I don't see it, even when I don't have results yet, even when I don't know the outcome, I'm gonna make a commitment in faith. Something you've been putting on my heart, God, I wanna make a commitment in faith to you. Today, I pray faith would rise in the room I pray, Jesus, ignite our faith. Let our faith be on fire. Give our faith some feet. And I pray, Jesus, that we get to see you work in a mighty and powerful way because the substance that we're tethered to is you. I'm not worried about the mountain moving. I've got the substance that can move the mountain. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's word. We hope that it continues to encourage you and bless you as you go about your day-to-day. And until then, we will see you next Sunday. Have a great week.